0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Mindfulness at IBM podcast, I'm um, always happy to, uh, to be here with you Pat for, for this podcast because it, it means something for me, it's, uh, it's an opportunity not only to do a little bit of practice, right, but also to share the beauty and powers of the mindfulness practice in itself, so uh, thanks for, for sharing with me this, this experience.
1: It's always a, a pleasure to connect with you Lele and uh, this is also another excuse for you and I just to do something together <laughs> <laughs> of course so what are what are the news we have this week so the mindfulness at IBM community has partnered with the coaching community of practice at IBM it's this big coaching community Lele and I joined their leadership council and they have been supporting our growth. We're supporting theirs, and we had a very interesting session recently. Lele, can you tell us more about how that session went and what it's about?
0: Yeah, it was a it was a session mostly. I would name it like mindfulness for for coaching or mindfulness for coaches. And the main purpose was, you know, how how a coach can get to the next level of coaching thanks to mindfulness, right? Uh, and uh, and also how w- what is the the motivation behind starting to practice mindfulness every day if you want to get to that level right so that was the, the main driver we talked about active listening we spoke about the uh, presence and importance of presence a very interesting session so I, I uh, encourage everyone that will find the link uh, you know next to the podcast. Um, to, to have a look at that session and you know, think not only about the uh, you know, additional reinforcement about the benefit of mindfulness and uh, how it is connected with coaching, but perhaps it's worth to, um, to get a coach or to become a coach, if you want, because that's the fascinating. I guess also you had an interesting experience by being coached in that session, right? Right, right. The first uh, 10 minutes I was a coachee being coached. <laughs>
1: uh, about a very interesting you know, the topic of how much time we're spending in front of screens these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing that I wanted to add, and, and Rich brought this up, the, uh, another leader in that community, that the International Coaching Federation, the ICF, mm-hmm. uh, that coaching with presence or being present is one of their key strategic yes. pillars in working with a coaching
0: it is it's a strong connection mindfulness and coaching yeah i mean my, mindfulness is this is more like a a tool let's say mm. to improve uh, right. the technique of coaching right and uh, the whole experience uh, yet it's it's fundamental right and i'm not sure that all uh, people that practice coaching really do mindfulness or do practice regularly so i think there is a lot to work um, in that area Yes, yes. So I think uh, it's time to go to our guest now, Pat. Um, who do we have this week? This week we have a,
1: a special guest, as mm-hmm. as every week. But, uh, Christian, uh, thank you so much for being here. Christian Noll is our, our guest, uh, managing partner, general manager at uh, IBM, specifically for the DACH, which is Deutschland, Austria and, and Switzerland. Yes, Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. Christian, thank you so much for, for being here, supporting us for uh, some time now as, as, a, as a sponsor to this community. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Thank you for being here. Patrick, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So let's start from, you know, uh, it, it's, I think it's very important always to, uh, you know, to, to, to talk when we talk about mindfulness, right? To talk about um, not only what are the benefits, but uh, why is it for me? Right? And we experienced that many. Uh, many people perhaps either are skeptical or just they just you know bypass it to say like it's not for me it's better if I talk about you know only emotional intelligence or only uh, growth mindset but I'm not talking about mindfulness as such because I don't know maybe it's too weak or too fluffy and I wonder what is your take in it since you are a, a, a strong advocate also for for mindfulness for inclusion for uh, you know humanity as such as a uh you know that we should all help each other and uh, make sure to you know to to feel good as well wherever we work so what what's your take
2: so it's it's exactly like that um because i started off hugely skeptical in fact if i wind the clock back i don't know it's probably 15 years or so i went to uh, a meeting in the days when we could travel uh, in new york um, and um, the meeting started with a mindfulness session and i was really skeptical i'm a science guy i've i've did science at university physics mathematics those kinds of things and this was all a little bit uncomfortable we all sat there and put your feet down and breathe and all of these things and i thought what am i getting into here and i really was a bit skeptical um and i have to say it wasn't the first session that converted me um, but what converted me were two things, so first of all, yes we did the exercise and I have to say I kept my eyes open and I kept looking left and right to see are they all looking at me as if I'm a bit of an, a geek um, and uh, no they weren't actually, everybody was was focused and and they were in tune with their body, um, but the, the thing that really clinched it for me is I talked to a colleague about it and it was a colleague from India And he said, look, culturally, this is deep, deep in in what I do every day. And we really spent probably 45 minutes an hour just talking about this. And it really convinced me. It convinced me. And this is the thing about personal conviction. You can read what you like. Um, But when you see that personal conviction, I was really convinced. And then, um, like any good scientist, I said, ah, let's just check if this is Hocus Pocus. So I started reading up about it. And actually, there are plenty of papers written on the fact that mindfulness or mind exercises, being in tune with your body, whatever you want to call it, and mindfulness is a pretty broad term, really makes a difference um, uh, to your well-being, uh, to how you perform, how at one you are with yourself. Uh, and no, it isn't the, the the fluffy stuff I thought it was. So that's when I really became a bit of a convert to it. Now I'm not doing mindfulness for four hours a day, sitting on a yoga mat with my legs crossed. No. But what I do is I just take some of the basic practices, uh, and I will do some of them every day. Um, and it really has helped me. I feel calmer. Uh, I feel less anxious about uh, things. I feel a little bit more in control. Um, I don't know whether I'm physically more healthy because of it. I'd like to think so. Um, no, no empirical evidence there as such. But um, I tell you one thing: it's done me no harm.
1: Excellent. And if if we can broaden this perspective or, or widen it? Because there's some benefit on the individual level, but you also manage lots and lots of teams and lots and lots of people. Have some of these things that you've learned from your own mindfulness practice helped you manage the, the teams and the employees in a different way? Well, I, I obviously
2: have a large team uh, of direct reportees and then there's an extended ecosystem uh, behind that. Um, and um, Yes, it has. Um, It's made me very aware um, of some situations we're in, some situations which can cause um, anxieties and stresses, which are just simply unnecessary. And that comes from the simplest things like how you set out a meeting room in the days when we sat in meeting rooms, um, how you talk to people, um, whether you do or should um, uh, raise your voice in certain things or whether actually you just take those two or three seconds to say, stop, let me think about this do i need to do this what will it achieve would it actually um calm people or would it create a different outcome uh, i'm certainly not perfect and, um, uh, but i think generally i think my team would say i i in inverted commas lose it very very infrequently it's pretty rare for me to get really upset about something because normally i say what will it bring it'll bring nothing other than my blood pressure will rise my adrenaline will get going and so on which actually isn't conducive to making good business decisions so what i try and do is, is remain calm not always possible but um it kind of works the other thing you'll find is if you talk to anybody i mentor um, they'll say ah here he goes again um, um because i really have a mentoring framework which is based on a book that was published by uh, by an author and um, uh, but it takes you through some things and it does start with being at one with yourself, recognizing the most fundamental thing is that you have a choice in everything you do. You really do. It differentiates us hugely from animals, um, et cetera, and we can have a long philosophy whether animals have choices or typically act on instincts, but we have a choice. And just like I said, in situations which would normally create tension, we have a choice and we can actually say, I'm going to choose now not to be angry about this. I'm going to choose not to let it get to me. So. When one of our kids swipes an expensive vase off the table and it smashes in a thousand pieces, my instant reaction is, I can't believe what you've done. That was grandma's, etc." But will that actually put the vase back together again? Will that actually create a, a better situation? Will it actually calm me? No, of course it won't. So it's probably better to say, are you okay? I'm sure you, know, you didn't mean to do that. So let's just scoop it up and do something else, et cetera. Um, rather than getting that anxiety going, which you then transmit to many, many other people. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a tiny bit of mindfulness. It's mindfulness of knowing how you react um, and how you address a situation and how you then choose to choose your response, whatever your response is, but make it as a conscious choice. Don't just go with the auto
0: instinct, which sometimes may not do you good and it may not do your fellow workers any good either. Yeah, And I would say, you know, it's not that you start doing mindfulness and immediately you start being calmer and you never never scream again and so on, but it's going to help you in in the long term, right? So like you're going to get a little bit better, maybe 1% even, but every day because of the practice, right? Yeah. And I wonder, do you also bring uh, the, the, the concept or or ask about it to, to your clients and who is uh, not part of the organization, but is like totally external with a you know, different mindset? and? Uh, That's
2: a really good question. I, I wouldn't say I've done it with many clients. Um, uh, clients where I'm really on a very good first name basis and so on, I would have introduced some thoughts around that. Um, You know, This is the kind of thing, again, outside of COVID, around the dinner table, when you're with a client and you talk about management styles, you talk about how you lead organizations, how you create cohesion in organizations and so on. And that's where I would bring in things like, well, by the way, I think it's quite important to do some of these softer things. um, And uh, to also, because part of mindfulness, at least my definition of mindfulness, is to also display a degree of vulnerability. To actually be open um, and not to see vulnerability as a weakness, but actually to say it's okay. It's okay to say I'm feeling tired uh, and look, colleagues, I'm just not myself today in this meeting. So just live with me for a bit. It's okay. Um, that's not a sign of weakness. That's just being honest with yourself. Rather than trying to drink three cups of black coffee and you know making it through to the end as if you're on super adrenaline, um, and those kinds of things, I think are just just part of getting to know yourself. And I do, although I don't think I've talked to hundreds of clients about that. Maybe I should.
1: Maybe, maybe. You're Christian. You're also a uh, a sponsor of the diversity and inclusion group in in, in the, the region you're representing you mentioned this a little bit about becoming more aware of those thoughts and and responding skillfully Uh, judgment bias stereotypes they're sort of ingrained into us and as we are approached with different situations it just comes up habitually so how how is how is mindfulness or this awareness playing into improving diversity and inclusion and making us more aware of these biases, judgments, etc.
2: So that that's a um, that's a huge topic, and it's a brilliant discussion. Uh, it'll take a long time to go through it, but let me let me just cover it at the top level. What I what I think around this. So the first thing is, if mindfulness is being in tune with yourself, your mind, your body, um, uh, then uh, once you're in tune with yourself. Um, you can spend more time thinking about how you can be in tune with others. Um, Now, you you mentioned something which is the whole preconditioning uh, of ourselves in certain ways, bias it's called um, often. Um, And um, that's really, really interesting because I've read a couple of books on this. In fact, one of the books I liked so much, I actually gave a copy to each one of my leadership team around bias um, uh, against women in society. And I hadn't realized this isn't about bias. How I think—it's bias in in so many things. It's in bias and um, how the footpath is laid out. Uh, it's bias in how the playground, um, how wide the door is, um, and uh, how a car is designed. It's in so many ways. How drug trials are conducted, etc. And it opened my eyes to um, a whole lot of bias. What's this to do with mindfulness? Well, the first thing is, um, if you've opened your mind to actually think about these things, to take the time to read such a book and not put it to the bottom of the shelf to say, oh, this is all the soft stuff, this is all the weak um, weak people read this kind of stuff, but to actually say, this is really interesting, I really want to learn this, then you can start to, to change your behavior. One of the, the topics that's really um, uh, top of my mind at the moment in diversity and inclusion, uh, we all think of the normal, I say normal, the, the inclusion topics which are publicized the most, um, LGBT plus uh, women, age, race, uh, color, all of these things. Well, one we're working on with the, the team at the moment uh, is around invisible diseases, um, which is a very, very powerful one. And it's one that's not well understood. Um, there are tens of invisible diseases and statistically in our population, somebody will have one of these invisible diseases. We started off with uh, Axel Wiedler, who's an absolute champion for this, looking at HIV, um, employees with HIV. And again, statistically, they will be in our company. And it's completely okay. However, we have a bias typically. And when you talk to a lot of people, you'll find they still have the bias from the 1980s of those posters that uh, were there at the time about, well, this leads to AIDS, don't touch people, don't drink out of the same cup and so on. And how wrong that is today and with a little bit of education a little bit of opening your mind you can actually um, be a much better co-worker a better manager uh, a better employer uh, because you understand that that um, people carry burdens with them and the one thing that they really want is to be understood um, and not be biased against or whatever it is and so we've got a whole work stream going now looking at these invisible diseases and how we can just become more aware of them. We we won't address them. We certainly won't out anybody who has such a thing, but just to create that awareness so that um, when somebody does behave in a certain way, maybe jumps to conclusions, but maybe people just ask the question, maybe there's just something else here. Um, Maybe the reason this person goes for regular checkup appointments isn't because whatever, but maybe there's some underlying condition, et cetera. And uh, it'll just make everybody's life just that little bit easier, better, and everybody can be themselves.
0: Yeah. But basically, you know, considering from the extreme of the situation, if both parties, right, who has, for example, in this case, uh, an invisible disease and who is uh, just a colleague, if both are practicing mindfulness and they are aware about and they're in tune with themselves, like the first one, that is who has a disease, would feel more open perhaps to to share it and because he's not gonna be scared that the other one is not gonna understand it. and the other one is gonna totally welcome it as a uh, something you know to learn about and part of the reality, and for that is like mm-hmm. um, you know they, they will just go along together, right? Am I right with the yeah. Absolutely,
2: absolutely, and I think that that's the there's a fundamental human um, uh, requirement, need, and it's the need to be understood. Um, and I'm convinced that mindfulness, if you can train yourself, your mind and your body to be open um, to yourself first of all, but also to other ideas, then then you can be open, and you will appear to be open, and you really you will attract people who will tell you their life story because you're not coming in with an aggressive stance you're coming in maybe a little bit more relaxed now relaxed doesn't mean weak relaxed doesn't mean that um, you're a pushover far from it Um, but relaxed just means you might be considerate and consider um, how you react to situations
1: excellent so, how, what can we what can we work on this week, Christian? Any any practice, any any tip, anything you want to share with with us and the listeners? Uh... Absolutely. In fact, for everybody listening, I've got a challenge for this week, um,
2: and oh. it's not mindfulness in the sense of a mindfulness exercise, but it's something you can do to be more in tune with yourself. Um, we tend to be um, very um, work oriented that is um, we arrive um, at our desk which is the home office at the moment we sit down we open up and we start and we keep going and going and going and it's a kind of macho thing about you know i worked all the way from seven till seven or whatever my challenge to you is um, during the day at some stage take 45 minutes or an hour out just take that time book it for yourself book it as me time in fact part of the challenge is, are you brave enough to tell your colleagues that you're taking an hour out for yourself? You're gonna take it to leave your place of work, whatever that is, your home office or whatever, and you're gonna do some exercise, whether it's just walking, whether it's going for a jog, whatever it is, because I can assure you you will feel so much better um, in uh, multiple dimensions, Uh, physically, because you'll be breathing, you'll be walking, you'll be doing something. mentally because you're distracted from what you were doing by the way i challenge you unless it's unsafe to do so leave your mobile phone behind don't let it ring don't be tempted by the beeps and so on that come on your mobile phone just be yourself um uh, only do that if it's safe to do that i know some colleagues sadly live in areas where you should carry your phone for safety but um uh, also um your eyes your eyes at the moment typically are focused 30 to 40 centimeters on a screen You'll be looking at things far away. Your eye muscles will actually change and relax and and have a completely different focal length. You're, You're exercising your eyes simply by being out there. And the final dimension, and this is the challenge, by you saying to your colleagues, I'm gonna go for a run now, or I'm gonna go for a walk now, you're actually making a statement. You will find it really hard on day one and on day two. By the time you get to day four, actually your colleagues will be going that's really cool that's really cool to do that and you will you will have permission to do that i challenge any IBMer to say to somebody you're weak you're shirking your work nobody will say that in fact you'll come back a better person and why am i saying it i've been doing it for the last i don't know how many months now Um, i go for a run at lunchtime. i tell my team i'm just not available for about 45 minutes an hour I go for a run, and my day is so different. My day is a day of two hearts. I look forward to the run, and afterwards I come mm-hmm. back oxygenated, I come back feeling so much better, and the day seems so much shorter. So um, that's my challenge to you. If you can last a week, you may have even started to form a habit, and uh, who knows, you might even do week two after that.
1: Me, time for
0: everyone. Oh, yeah.
1: And so great opportunity. Uh, even as, as you're listening to what Krishna is saying, noticing what thoughts are coming up of perhaps excitement or aversion or oh, just becoming aware of that. And uh, as you practice going on the walks or spending time away from the computer, just being aware, just, you know, using your, your senses, being you, perhaps acting mm-hmm. more like a, like a child with that curiosity and openness. Great, great mm-hmm. practice.
0: And maybe forward, uh, forward this podcast episode to you know, your colleagues yes. and managers and so on, so they might also get inspired, right? Absolutely. And act as a role model, because uh-huh. people will look at you In whatever role you are because role models
2: aren't hierarchical role models are everywhere at all uh, parts of the organization and uh, act as a role model and um, set the pace because with you setting the pace you
1: may help somebody else more than you think oh yeah what is that that quote uh yesterday i was uh i was clever so i tried to change the world today i am wise so i'm changing myself perfect
0: (laughs) <laughs> thank you Well, Christian thank you so much for for being here in uh, in the you know um, podcast uh, Mindfulness at IBM and uh, thank you Pat as well thank everyone for listening uh, we will be again here in one week from now till then have fun and enjoy the me time